1: Wherever you get your podcasts. Chakten an indo askeilige. Time iman iruk ti yen of chakt er a harp. Aga soligam amar kan sha gar fejer e har enuik len of winter fein. Skil turmi. Tha Dochretchet nach vetok Ara, Igornamion, and Kestchen Eckel. Vintolam Ginom Griv, or Karn Rachtum, Yatok Shethorn Griv, or Elis Duhalagis Gimina <laughs> <laughs> Fracht, <laughs> Gor Kligsardukish Necker, and even own Thordorakishin, Vin Marev. Shachtin, Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Wecker, the tech editor of The Irish and Sunday Independent. And this week I'm joined by Robert Fenton, the founder of Qualio, which just raised $11 million. Qualio is a cloud quality management system for life science companies. Robert's from Cork, but he now lives in San Francisco. Robert, you're welcome to the podcast.
0: Adrian, thanks for having me today.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Now, here's the interesting thing. So as you say yourself, March 12th, 2020, the biggest Fall, but the Dow Jones Industrial mm. Average had uh, since 1987, and that was the day that you decided to start raising.
0: Yes, I know. In hindsight, it, it feels like a strange day to, to choose. However, when you run a business, you you work towards certain milestones internally, and, and we've been doing incredibly well. And. The weeks leading up to that, we'd had some internal discussions around is now the time to take this next big step as a business. And we would had a senior team offsite late February, and we said, we're going to do this. But every single day from that moment, literally the day that COVID became an international problem in the Western world was the day we finished that offsite. And as we were prepping for financing, we were monitoring things. And we were going to launch that day. I, I remember looking at the Apple News app on my phone and uh, saw that piece of, of news. And I took it as an omen because I was born in 1987. So we, we had a quick team call and said that, you know what, fortune favors the bold. Our, our business is incredibly well. What we're doing is important, particularly important right now. So I believe that quality, like in a business or in anything you do in excellence should hopefully
1: stand out even in uh, crazily uncertain times. So. And that all sounds great, but you've made the decision. COVID-19 is causing havoc around the world. There's a lockdown that's in place. You've decided that you're going to go for your Series A round. So like, what kind of barriers did that bring? You couldn't meet. You couldn't physically meet people. Yeah, um, tons of barriers.
0: So again, business is doing well, so just that's check, right? That, that's the first ingredient to, to be able to be successful. Uh, like every other business, though, we have people and team members, and you're, you're trying to be a leader, you're trying to support people, and yeah, people have their kids coming home. So you have all those internal problems, even as a remote-first company that's used to talking over Zoom like we are right now. We had all those barriers. Uh, the biggest thing was, uh, two or three things were, first of all, the consensus advice was maybe wait six months because mm. things might be better. Uh, and the first thing we had to do was get the conviction that things could be worse or better in six months. We think now is as good a time as any, and we don't want to wait because your speed kills it in a startup, the only real advantage you have is your ability to make fast decisions and move. That was the first barrier. The rest of the barriers were, how do you run a financing process for a, a relatively large amount of capital in an environment where the people who are the purveyors or providers of that capital have probably never in their lives done a deal via remote conversations or remote meetings, because after moving to the Bay Area, it, it's a people-based business. It's highly networked. It's very interdependent, and it runs on this face-to-face or you know, hallway meetings, right? And and getting past that was its own interesting challenge, and, and we dealt with that, and I'm happy to talk about how, but that was the logistics and building rapport and trust became the next big blocker.
1: Hmm. So you couldn't meet people, you were doing Zoom calls and Teams calls and any Webex? I'm always curious, is anybody still using Webex? Uh,
0: Well, I didn't do a survey, but uh, I can tell you the three things we used were uh, good old phone calls, mostly Zoom, some Hangouts and the occasional Microsoft Teams.
1: It's interesting because, as you know, there's this kind of issue between Slack and Microsoft at the moment and we we, yeah. we started to use we, we use teams quite a lot and the reason honestly we use teams internally is because it's microsoft and we're set up on microsoft and we'll just might as well use teams i use uh, uh, d- different products there but i recently had to go on a webex call and i was kind of like whoa yeah. tw- 2012 is calling and wants its uh service back but maybe that's unfair there's you know there's there's I get the feeling it's a big corporate thing. I know we're way off track on this. Yeah, I
0: could talk about this for a long time. I recently, (laughs) they recently launched billboards. So in in the Bay Area, one of the interesting things, the first time you come here is just like if you go to LA, you see movie posters and TV show posters and billboards everywhere. Here it's just tech companies Mm trying to recruit really in brand. WebEx have recently had billboards talking about, you know, hey, we're the best. Uh,
1: it's, it's amazing. Do you know that's amazing, amazing about San Francisco and obviously I haven't been there this year but I usually go a couple of times a year. Mm. And it is one of the visceral things that hits you when you're even going from the airport into the city. Yeah. You start seeing all these billboards for tech services, for S for SaaS services,
0: data warehouses
1: and yeah. uh, yeah. and you're kind of like this is actually kind of a theme park. I mean, you, you know.
0: Yeah. That's the first bit. thing that hit me as well. Actually, when we, we almost moved to the East Coast, and uh, we had more customers in Cambridge, Massachusetts was the highest concentration. We could walk to for customers, which, as a company who just launched, it was really exciting to go somewhere where you actually have a concentration. Right. But when we arrived in San Francisco, it, was, it just really felt like um, if we're going to move a few thousand miles, this is this is has an edge, and why not come all the way here? It's been a fun ride since.
1: I'm going to come back to the funding in a second, but just on mm-hmm. that. Because there was something I was going to ask you about um, a little later anyway. San Francisco, you yeah. live there. You mentioned that a lot of your clients might be on the East Coast, because that's where a lot of the big uh, health uh, science companies are. But there's a lot yeah. of chatter now about companies considering a move away from San Francisco. I mean, the, the Stripe Boys, the Collison uh, lads, the, they're in the process i believe of moving stripe's headquarters out of san francisco as well but there's a lot of talk about that is, is that real is that is is that just talk or is that actually a real thing happening at the moment
0: it's, it's a bit of both i would say uh, I, I again i'm clearly speak to a lot of my friends and their businesses and 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 just seeing what what's happening yes some people are going to move hmm. it's an incredibly expensive place to live um, it, it, it attracts a certain type of person who typically works harder than maybe you know they might need to uh, to put it mildly. So mm-hmm. it, it can be a tough place to stay for a long time. But I think most of these things, if you look through the press, right, there's talks of these things happening in major metro areas for over hundreds of years, and these metro areas still become saving st- important places. Even us, we're you know we're a first company. Um, I moved here on my own. The rest of the team were in Ireland and, and Poland uh, because I felt this was, as a leader, the best place for me to be as I tried to, you know, better understand the playbook to build like a global scale software company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're actually part of that trend out in a way. I would, I would never and would never have but wanted to build a downtown San Francisco office with a hundred people, just the cost of that. It's, it's, it's hard to reconcile the, the, the talent advantage. I think with those, those costs, and a lot of people do, but we've taken mm. the attitude that we will hire the best people we can here. We're just great
1: people everywhere. Like, yeah. It,
0: it,
1: yeah. I mean, one of the thing one of the things about San Francisco that always strikes me, yes, it's incredibly expensive. I would also argue that there is a bit of a modish thing going on where it's starting to be a little bit monocultural. It's not quite as mm. interesting and diverse as it was maybe 10 or 20 years ago, even though I sound like a bit of an elf full of saying that. And yet, at no, the same, you know, at the same time, it is a stunningly beautiful place. I mean, the hills and and the light. They, one thing they don't tell you, mm-hmm. the, the light in the evening, sort of six, seven, eight o'clock uh, at nighttime. It's absolutely beautiful. Like it is a stunning physical vista. Um.
0: It 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 can be incredibly beautiful, and I find that people can again, because a lot of people. I'm I'm generalizing here mm. enormously. You I mean, you tend to work very very hard, and you're up early because you. With the rest of the world, then you tend to do stuff in in the early evening. But when you drive out of the city and you see the surrounding area, it's it's spectacular. uh But being from you know Cork and uh, and spending lots of time in West Cork and carrying and that we have super, we have places just as beautiful in Ireland. I was wondering that, you know, when that are Cork green, was going to come into that are this. green. Yeah, yeah. I have to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I was to
1: something like yes, it's the cork of of North America, of the Pacific Northwest.
0: I, I have been known to say certain things like that in the company of friends, uh, mm-hmm. mostly as a joke, but partly seriously.
1: Now, lastly, on Saturday, are you one of these kind of uh, fading violets that complains about San Francisco being cold? Because I, I, hear, I hear it now. The, some of the intercoms... I don't. Goes, no.
0: Because I'm Irish, and I moved well, to the coldest part of California, and I'm super happy here. Yeah, it, gets, it can be cold, but I'm now wearing... A t-shirt, a light hoodie, mm-hmm. and I will I I will add a light jacket in winter time.
1: Right. Okay.
0: So I mean, uh, it's you know, my wife who followed me over. I think I I I did a small bait and switch with her because I told her California, it's you know hot and sunny and it's beautiful all all year round. But I took her to San Francisco, which is not super hot all the time, but it's dry. So it's.
1: You know what? It my, it's a lovely it climate. I, I, I was yep. kind of leading you down a path there to to sort of see if you'd say it was cold and freezing because there's a bit of a snowflake thing going on for people who settle there, <laughs> and then then say it's freezing. <laughs> and actually, compared to here, it's yeah. still beautiful. Anyway, well,
0: when I get back to Ireland and it's no, late November or, or no early January, and I, and I take a trip back, uh, it, it recalibrates me pretty quickly.
1: Mm, yeah. Um, anyway, to get back to to your rays. One of yeah. the you being in San Francisco, even though a lot of your team is uh, here in Ireland, mm-hmm. um, you raised outside of Ireland. I mean, you you you, you use mm. I think Frontline contributed to the round, yes, but otherwise it was there. There were uh, VCs from outside, non irish Yeah, um, it's kind of an interesting thing that I've noticed over uh, in the last eighteen months, in particular, is Irish companies or companies with senior irish founders are not afraid and also are motivated to go to larger centers of capital to look for mm. that vc what what was your thought process when you were thinking about where to look for for vc or for yeah. funding
0: so I guess there there's two questions there. One is, you know, culturally, we're very good at emigrating successfully. And I mean that in, in a positive way. We've, you know, it passed for, we were, had to do it for, for reasons we had no choice over, but it's made us be pretty global. Like, we're incredibly global people in Ireland, and I think that's one of our greatest strengths. We, we don't sell well, well enough. Uh, so... It, never a big deal for an Irish person to move to the US or another country. It's like everybody does it or a lot of people do. So it's very easy for us to move out. You're uh, trying to build a business and like the reason for moving here, there, there's two things, right? Well, there's like people and capital, but there's also the culture of what, how to think and act and behave when you want to build something that's incredibly large. And Being here, to pick an example, was was a great way to understand the, the, the mental framework or model or how these people make decisions and you get to meet these people. The amount of people I've had coffees with or dinners with and just chatted with walking down the street who've built businesses that are just... Like well-known names we all know and they just talk to you like you're just a normal person like them and here's how I did it here's where I struggled there's that that, that accelerated learning and passing of information was actually the primary reason for me to move here do, do you like find that learn. to be
1: um somewhat surprising some founders that oh, I oh so I, surprising. I, you know that I talked to initially they're really taken aback by that because they're used yeah. to maybe considering uh, that kind of in-depth talk and advice is kind of, you know, trade secrets or something that is somehow mm. valuable and should be guarded.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's. I think it's um, a, a culturally American thing versus a culturally European thing. Um, they could, we could talk about again broad statements of some of the differences you typically see in, in cultures at, at scale. Mm. But the U.S. experiment, as as this call has created, a lot more openness or, or or the the will to seek an advantage and to win. And I think there's more aggressive, forward-looking mindset particularly in the Bay Area where so many people and businesses have created things from zero, so people don't take all the people for granted here so if you meet, if I meet some guy who's nineteen doing something interesting, it could sound like a crazy idea, but how many businesses have been created here exactly like that so I think mm-hmm. there's an openness for that reason to share and it blew my mind when I first heard it and that's when that 's actually when I decided this is where I need to be
1: so was there any thing that triggered anything particular in any of those interactions or in the serendipitous conversations that you might have had? Was there anything that, uh, there's any one bit of advice that, that you got that was, that really paid off?
0: Um, there wasn't any one particular, there's several probably major pieces of advice. The major learning I, I got was when like we were much earlier uh, we were super early to the market by the way so people talk about the quadrant right where you want to be the contrarian and right part of the quadrant not the contrarian and wrong part it's the worst part to be but when you start off you always looks like you're on the contrarian but wrong part of, uh, of of this you know success quadrant with an idea uh, clearly we were in that place we had this set of insights we understood the market was evolving in a certain way we had a really positive early customers Yet it didn't appear obvious to anybody else. So that that's something you try and disprove as a startup. Your your main mission is to figure out where you're wrong and fix it, not just to execute. You're trying to find out where you need to execute. Speaking to people over here, give me the confidence that this is exactly how it should feel when you're starting to do something special. And understanding how they navigated that path and then became you know oftentimes the overnight success that took a decade. Right. Because yeah, and, cause and that was yeah. You need to hear that right. Yeah. Yeah, we started this super early back in the days when, I, I tell you this to a T, everyone I spoke to said there's no way these pharmaceutical medical device diagnostic biotech companies are going to trust their data in the AWS or in the cloud and your software. They're just not. It's, it's, you're going to keep this. You're going to keep this in paper. You're going to keep this in your own data storage. And first of all, like that's now looking back, that's kind of like, of course, that's not going to be the way it is forever. But all we to demonstrate that. With our, we took a very unique approach to solving this. That was, you know, um, not at all how the industry thought about the problem. set and we had to wait for the, we had to wait for a few trends to align for that to really take off. We just patiently waited, and you know, for a long time, a lot longer than a lot of companies would. But we're seeing it now, and and in three things that might be interesting to, to share in general now that we're in the world we're in and. I think as 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 humans, we've learned that we haven't really solved healthcare, right? We'll go down to the deepest trenches. We'll go to Mars, Neptune, Pluto, or other other galaxies. We'll we'll head in that direction, but we know so little about the human body. I don't know why we have to go that much further. I think the current problems have reminded us, to a degree, of how fragile our health is and how little we know. Uh, that's part of this major
1: change happening in, in the healthcare landscape i mean that's going to be a never i mean you talk about mars maybe Elon yeah. musk or jeff bezos will bring us there you talk about other galaxies i was watching yeah. a podcast with um, brian cox recently and fascinating. the challenge to get to another galaxy is i don't know i i I'd, I'd say that um ross common have more chance of, a chance of winning the all Ireland hurling championship than uh uh than, no uh, than us to uh, um I'm, yeah, I'm not from Wisconsin. I'm just saying something that's <laughs> literally impossible. Um, it is difficult. Yeah, but but the human, uh, the human form and health, we've come quite a long way. Obviously, we're looking for this vaccine at the moment for COVID nineteen. Mm. We're making some progress there, but I, a lot of progress. I believe a lot of progress. Yeah, uh, but you, one does wonder though how far we actually are willing to take this. I know Elon Musk has a. Um, one of his other his side businesses is a, a brain mapping um, mm-hmm. a startup to try and, I, in the long run, download your brain <laughs> into yeah. something that sounds can be like preserved. Amazon's upload TV show. if, right. you, if you've seen that. Right, yeah. right. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I'm just wondering how far how far is is far enough? You talk about the fusion there of. Um, of technology, of quality processes to try and map things, to try and unlock mm-hmm. these. And I know what you're talking about is quality of service. You're talking about, um, you know, data flows and all that kind of. I, I'm kind of taking you up on a slightly more science fiction, yeah. uh, idea here. Oh, uh, that, that that that's the best
0: starting point. Yeah, huh. uh, you should read. So I recommend this book to everybody. Bill Bryson. If you don't know, don't know who Bill, Bill, Bryson, Bill Bryson is, yeah. he writes a lot of great books that are pretty in depth, but they're. Massively accessible to people who aren't experts in that field. He released his book, uh, The Body or The Human Body, something like that, uh, later last year. I remember reading it over the holidays and laughing to myself the entire time because in every single chapter, we have no idea what happens. This is what this is what happens. The other side, we have no idea how this happens, why this happens. We have some guesses. And this is like every chapter and every major important thing, mm. uh, how the brain works, how we sleep sleep is important. We don't know really why we have, we have hypotheses and we know certain people like it's, it's incredible how we're able to make positive impacts on our health through the trial and error. That's being the tradition, right? Because I mean, aspirin, yeah, semiconductors, right? The start of the technology revolution that the next big change was you know, when that happened and, and aspirin came out a long time before that healthcare has been around forever, but we just hit this wall where it's, it's like in Moore's law, it just get that much more difficult. When you hit these challenges, and it's been really interesting to see um, what we've been able to achieve as, 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 as species so of, of right now enlightenment. COVID.
1: Once we yeah. hit that, those levels of enlightenment, though, I do wonder: will the same intensity of joy or wonder mm. be with us we, it, once, once we have that yeah. absolute realization uh, of um, knowledge of yeah. how we work? Um, a little mm. bit like Silar in Heroes. I don't know if you ever watched the series Heroes. He used to I, uh, yes. cut people's heads open. And he, his power was to be able to analyze a brain so he could figure yeah. out how they're... But once we get to something approximating that, um, and we're all living to about 150, I think. Yeah. Um, and that we... brings
0: its own set of challenges. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know how we got into this, but I'm enjoying it. Um, but uh, I'm wondering, I'm wondering um, at that point, will life be better or will it just be, you know? Yeah.
0: You're reminding me of that, uh, poem, a poem by Patrick Kavanagh that I remember reading, uh, when we were in, in school Stem- growing up and it was about losing the wonder of childhood. Oh, and it stayed with me for forever. Actually. It's one of those just things that I retain. And it's this kid growing up in the countryside and mm. talks about the wonder of childhood and how, when you, as you grow up, become an adult, you lose that wonder and, and is, that knowledge is that knowledge a good thing, or is the loss of that wonder, wonder yeah. more damaging? Right, yeah. Which so is that's... funny
1: from Patrick Kavanagh because his the one that it was on my curriculum was A Stony Gray Soil mm. of Monaghan. And uh, the famous line from it, A Stony Gray Soil of Monaghan, you burgled my bank of youth. He was kind of moaning about how yeah. his, his Spartan uh, countryside actually took away what might have been the joy. And yet he wrote a book called Tarry Flynn, which was, mm. which was also on, which which sort of celebrated a lot of the mundane things, like digging up potatoes or the richness of the soil. And um, mm-hmm. I remember reading that and thinking, actually, despite all his cribbing, here's a guy who actually can see poetry in muck, you know. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: maybe to pull it back to something that might anchor it back, where you talk about the loss of wonder, you talk about mm. the unintended consequences of. Our development, right? As we get some more intelligent, and we talk forever about the pros and cons of new technologies, uh, to pull it back to some of the reasons why this is important, right? So the doctors, uh, you know, the oath they take, right? It's you know, that first do no harm is a major part of the of the promise to the medical profession. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the companies that, that we support, that are you know drugs, therapeutics, uh, diagnostics, like we support the gamut of all of them, and a lot of people are working on different COVID. And yeah, therapies, diagnostics, you know, supportive vaccines, which is super exciting too. But the reason that I think we need to learn more is and get, more, get smarter is that the promise they make, which is like the, the doctor's oath, is, is one of quality, which is by definition is actually this product is safe, this medicine is safe, it is effective, and it will work consistently. It's a it's a pretty noble statement. It's the fundamental thing they must promise you as somebody consuming their products in, in, in the healthcare systems. That's important. A lot of it, a lot of the evidence is showing these things work, but we haven't quite figured out why yet. And 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 getting smarter there is going to unblock better therapies. Or right? that's a positive use case. And we're seeing that in one of the reasons that our opportunity has really ramped up right now is we're seeing a demographic change, mm. which is really being spur or, or driven by this taking, taking of lessons learned in, in the technology industry, like from semiconductor revolution, right? Uh, like computational biology, machine learning, and medical imaging, AI. So the cost and complexity of generating these treatments is no longer a $10 billion, 10-year study that can only be run by Pfizer. And that is, I think, what's really important and, and we see our mission to, you know, enable, enable those companies in, in, in the discovery. And that's, that's the noble cause as we see it. And we kind of set our goal, actually, our, our, our moonshot or our, our BHAG for the next 10 years is to enable 100,000 of these teams, you know, achieve that success, which hopefully will bring about, you know, less troubling side effects and you know, happy, healthier lives.
1: Yeah, because you're, I mean, to bring it back to what Qualo actually does, I mean, yeah. medical devices, pharmaceuticals, biotech, um, contract mm-hmm. service providers.
0: Yeah, we're the first company to what we call enable the ecosystem. So if you talk about some of the demographic changes, uh, the traditional industry has been very internally focused, right? So teams solve their internal problems and collaboration to them is getting the Product development team or the manufacturing team to talk to them. But actually, we are in a world today. The technology aspect is you have all these third party systems generating enormous amounts of data you have to make sense of mm. uh, in order to get do no harm, make something safe and effective. And then you have all these third party vendors you work with to be to be successful, uh, we see our mission is to enable these people to come together, work effectively, share information. And, and that's the bottleneck like, we see. So we talk about quality, but but really we describe ourselves eternally as this like, operating system layer for, for these businesses, big and small.
1: You studied pharmacy, didn't you, in UCC? Yes, I yeah. did. I did. Did you always think that you would go into what you're doing now? Or did you think you might end up, for example, having a nice comfortable little pharmacy somewhere on the model farm yeah
0: i, sp- I sp- spoken about this this this, this recently with, with some people we were we were musing on, on how we got where, where we are today and uh you know growing up i guess i could draw i could join the dots right now like always love science technology like all those things you're talking about like uh tv shows documentaries books fascinated uh i represented ireland internationally in chemistry after like. Three weeks after my leaving cert, I was in Germany, Kiel, doing that, which was probably a bad thing to do, like, weeks after your leaving cert and having to study for this at the same time. But it's it's kind of, uh, I, I did that anyway. Uh, what th- was that? Then, uh, um, it's, it's called the International Chemistry uh, it, it It's this international competition in different countries every year. they having a math, physics, chemistry, and and maybe one more.
1: So you were like the chemistry and version of a mathlete, were you?
0: yeah i guess just don't call it that I, just, I never thought about it much at the time which i just, I just liked science and again I just went for this i ended up being the only person from the republic the rest of the people were from the north because at a levels you get in far concentrate. You're, you're, you're better at these things right, right. at the same age because of the concentration so that was an eye-opening experience for me and it was that love of chemistry that made me think pharmacies is it's a, it's i'm from a really small town I'm from i'm from mitchell county cork so is like mm-hmm. Four enough. to five thousand people there. Uh, that to me was that's that's a good job for somebody. That's something I could do. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll own two or three pharmacies. That's something that's that's exciting when you're. Uh, you know, the idea of going to business was exciting to me, even though I didn't have any real pattern matching or didn't understand much about it. Uh, after studying pharmacy for five years, I practiced as one for five months and just learned that it really wasn't for me, right? It's for a lot of people. They'll love it. And I worked with some people who truly loved it. And when I saw that in the first few months, I knew that I was never going to be that passionate and that was going to not make me that good. And I was 21, I think. There's no point in, in going down that path then. So I was fortunate to work in like a quality roles in Pfizer as a student, and R and D and manufacturing support roles at Leo Pharma and Crumlin and Dublin. So I'd seen this, and I'd seen the problem, and I, that I, that just led to my first business, uh, which supplied a, a like like quality systems, but a light mm-hmm. version to retail pharmacy that was quite successful. And it was that experience then led to a quality this today. So it's again it's a straight line if you just follow my my mm-hmm. path. But uh, I never consciously thought that this is what I would do. Uh, the only data point I, I could look at is my ceo form i had pharmacy number one then maths physics and engineering was every other there were the rest of the options so it's kind of a strange ceo form but when you yeah. fill it out when you're 16 that's like you have no idea
1: you must have been one of the golden boys though the school i mean like that, that's a real teacher's delight in terms of cao they love i'm, I'm, students I'm who not have sure that sort of stuff you know and instead um, of us arts students they hate <laughs> us you know? You
0: know, there's a lot to be said for general, um, general, like educational quali- qualifications, right? So those of us who do—my wife's a veterinarian who, who followed me over here, Dana, in, in, uh, you know, 2016 after I kind of started to get us settled. Um, you've, you've medicine, veterinary, dentistry, pharmacy, physiotherapy—you've all these civil engineering—you've all these like straight down the the middle degrees. But you make these decisions when you're really young, and I often wonder, like, if more people did a more general, like. Undergraduate type thing that mm. set us up to make better decisions. I, I don't have the answer, but I'm always wondering. But we only like, think like that CD when we're 16. older.
1: I mean, like it, it, yeah. it, because life seems like it's it's so urgent when you're nineteen mm-hmm. and twenty, you know. But it's when you're thirty-two, yeah, well, it it sort of my saying, oh, sister no, I had Emily. Time.
0: Just graduated from law and French. Well, like she's graduating later this year. She just finished her exams and got, got got her results. She's super excited. But yeah, like her final exams in June were like, this is the last hurdle of my life after this. I'm yeah. going like, to like, it's like, no, actually, this is a, from this moment onwards, you have this widespread of options.
1: You can't persuade her. And, that. and now for, life is what you make of it. Yeah. yeah. For, for, from her point of view, in eight or nine years, she's going to be old. Like that's, the, well, that's what I felt when I was that age. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, Robert. I the, still feel like that. It's um it's been great chatting to you. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. You, you are you hiring at the moment?
0: Oh yeah, we're we're hiring. Um so to the big rock for, for this financing is to double down on on our, our thesis of that being a product led company wins in, in this industry. So we're hiring across all engineering product roles, hiring across every role, but in particular, bring for amazing um designers, uh, software engineers, product leaders um across the board there. Great.
1: Okay. Well, listen, thank you very much for- And they can, uh,
0: they can email me at robert.qualio.com. It's my email. I'll personally
1: make sure it gets to the right person. Great. And just before we go, by the way, um, a heartfelt compliment on your background. they real leaves, not a fake uh, Zoom background there. Well, proper. I think they're
0: real, Adrian. I should probably check. Yeah, they look real.
1: Well, they are look real. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're real. Um, Robert Fenton, a founder of qualio uh, thank you very much for coming on the show today and uh, that is all we have time for this week so for me adrian wecker the tech of the irish and sunday independent it's been a pleasure having you with us and i will talk to you same time next week bye-bye